1110-993 WBT. I'm going to get right to it. We're going to see if this works correctly. Uh, I don't know. Who's on line one? Is it uh, Kyle is on one? Okay. This is Kyle Lubke. He is running for Charlotte City Council, and I want to see if I got uh, Charlie Mulligan. He is also running for Charlotte City Council. Two Republicans running at large. Kyle, can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. And Charlie, you can hear me, too. Absolutely. Hey, Pete. Hey, hey. All right. So it works. And uh, it's always it's always fun trying out the tech to see if it still works. All right. So, uh, Kyle, I got to start with you. You're running uh, uh, for Charlotte City Council. You are uh, the local bus rider in uh, the field of candidates. What the heck is up with cats? What's going on there what? What, with this bus yeah, system? So I think, you know, what's up with cats is that um, no one currently in leadership actually rides the system. And so they don't know how bad it is. Um, and, and, you know, that came to a head about a week and a half ago when uh, David Hodges reported that there was a third-party contractor that negotiates with the city and asking anybody on city council if they knew about it, and they didn't know that they had approved these contracts. Um, and I, th- I think that just is a manifestation of kind of the, the, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, and when the right hand is the one that controls the money and gives it all to the left hand, well... We should know what they're doing. It's a pretty sizable budget, too. But, I mean, you have to acknowledge, I mean, especially after the ridership count is like down 75 percent or something. Not a lot of people are riding the bus nowadays. Um, uh, I guess, Charlie, I'd ask you, like, does it make sense at some point to just turn around and say, you know, what? why don't we just pay for like ride share for people? Well, I think we should be open, obviously, to whatever strategies make the most sense to get. And, you know, we should think outside the box. But Kyle and I have spent a lot of time talking to potential bus riders. Um, and the reason why many people who would love to take the bus don't use cats is because of a lot of the problems Kyle was just talking about. It's not safe. It's not reliable. Um, and, you know, we don't have quite enough options. Almost every route routes us through uptown. So I think our position would be there is something to be salvaged with the bus system, but we need to make smart investments and we need better leadership, which is part of the reason why we're running. How about more money? They want more money. Another penny, uh, a penny on the sales tax? We don't need the sales tax to, uh, to fund the bus system the way that it needs to be. Our proposal would be, how about we don't spend billions on fancy uh, projects that nobody uses, such as the gold mine and um, maybe a light rail extension. Let's focus on using the stuff that working or spending money on the things that working class people actually use. And so we think we can reallocate funds um, to the bus system in a way that makes it better for everybody. So, Kyle, what, yeah, and I can, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying I'm to, to you know, jump off from that as well. The reason why there has been no change-up in CAP's leadership at this moment is because the city is trying to advocate for the sales tax. Mm. So you, they, their argument is, well, we can't you know, fire leadership when we're trying to go and tell the General Assembly we need more money. Well, my response to that has been and continues to be when people can't get to work because the buses are not showing up, when they're missing court dates and having repercussions that come from that, and then when they're missing doctor's appointments, you know, that should matter a lot more to our city leadership than whether or not you can convince the General Assembly to allow us to have a one-cent sales tax. Yeah. Um, And I thought it was interesting. I saw a piece, I forget uh, where, but they actually quoted the old Cats chief, Ron Tober, and when you've lost Ron Tober, <laughs> when he's when he's scratching his head about what's going on, I think you got some major problems. And 
Um, I and I also I would imagine they they probably would like some of this stuff to go away uh, before tomorrow, which is the election. If you are a registered voter inside the city limits of Charlotte, there is an election tomorrow, and these two guys are on the ballot. Uh, so, all right, let's let's be honest here. What are the chances? At you guys are running at large. Uh, Charlotte has gone bluer and bluer and bluer. What are your chances? I'll start with you, Charlie. Yeah, so we've been running the numbers very closely, and our chance is really good, but the reality is that we need our voters to turn out. So essentially the math works out to if we get 20,000 or more Republicans who vote on Election Day, our chances are north of 50%. So you've seen it is a random summer election we, I think, not to toot our own horn, but we have worked very, very hard, and voters are very fired up. But one of the things that we need conservative voters to realize is that for the first time in a decade, there is a real chance. We just need our people to show up. So, again, if we can get more than 20,000 voters, if you're listening to this and you're in the Charlotte area and you're conservative, you want to see change, uh, even if you're not conservative, you want to see change in the city, you have a chance actually to uh, elect an entirely new majority on the city council, uh, including Kyle and myself. Along with David Merrill and Carrie Olinsky, the four uh, Republican candidates that are running for city council, the four at-large seats. Would you guys be interested in looking at getting rid of the the at-large seats in the future and going only to a district model? Um, I'm, I would personally not be in favor of that. I think that it's important to have um, representatives from the whole city. Uh, you know, we have the mayor, but the mayor doesn't really wield that much power. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mayor kind of uh, provides the messaging for the city. But I do think it is important to have elected officials with power who advocate for the city as a whole. And that's what at-large representatives are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to, number one, listen to the district reps and see what's going on in the particular district. But also, they're supposed to advocate for, you know, for good governance, for accountability, for leadership, uh, for the city as a whole. And with the, the current slate of uh, at-large candidates on the Democratic side, all of whom have either served previously or are currently serving on our city council, they've, they've basically jettisoned everything that the district reps have told them. The, the uh, UDO is a perfect example of that. It passed 6-5 with almost every single district rep voting against it and every single at-large rep and one individual who is a current district rep who ran for at-large voting for it. And so I think that there's a disconnect in our city between the two different uh, types of roles, and I think the at-large reps need to be listening to, to, to the district reps who are closer to the people. What about you, Charlie? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree. One of the things that has been um, really interesting but also discouraging is that you hear that District reps are absolutely overwhelmed um, and sometimes not as responsive as they need to be. We, we are a city of almost a million people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a city with a lot of problems. And having at-large folks who are able to allocate attention to where the problems are most needed and not just stay focused on one particular geographical area is important. And I think that's a big part of our plan is if we get in, let us come alongside this district reps that are in some cases a little bit overwhelmed um, and bring attention to things that, I mean, cats is one example, but you've got, you've got people who've got sewer water going into their um, houses. You've got trans, um, traffic issues that have not been solved for decades. There's things, especially the further you get away from uptown Charlotte, that need a lot of help, and I think that's what at-large candidates can, can help with. 
maybe more districts. Um, because I mean, think about it. The city itself is bigger than I mean, you if, if elected, you guys are going to be representing more people than a congressional district. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, again, as Kyle mentioned, there's you could you could look at it with more districts. But I think the first and the way it's really supposed to be working is the at large comes alongside uh, the district district reps and, and kind of learns from them. Um, and I should mention, too, we as the Republicans have two people running for district races. I don't want to neglect right. that. We've got Mary Barnett in District 2 and James Bowers in District 3. Um, but, you know, regardless, I think you can make an argument for potentially making the races nonpartisan rather than partisan, but I, I like the at-large district split. I know I'm asking two guys that are running at-large. I do recognize this, but uh, I figured I would <laughs> pick your brains on it. So let me ask you real quick on, um, on uh, crime in the city. Uh, what's your plan to clean up the streets, Batman? I'll start with you, Kyle. Yeah, so the first thing that we need to do is make CMPD an employer's choice, and that's not what we have been doing as a city and a city council. Uh, we are uh, hundreds of officers short. Uh, anywhere the estimates that I have seen are anywhere between four and 600 officers, and that is because we cannot recruit uh, cadets to come into the academy and then join our force, and we cannot retain them because they are going to other cities uh, around the country, or even here in Mecklenburg County. I mean, we're, we're losing people to Huntersville. We're losing people to Mint Hill. Uh, they're going to Union County. And it's not a pay issue, uh, because oftentimes those cities pay them less, but it is a respect issue. And yep. our current council is um, hell-bent on tweeting and taking sides uh, either for or against the police and not, you know, being measured in an approach that they wait for every and for all the information to come out and then make a determination. And I think that the, the officers are, are feeling that their morale is incredibly low when you're not valued by your employer. And when your employer says that you are terrible and, and you, you know, you're terrorist, that has an impact on whether or not you want to stay in that role. And so we first need to, we first need to make CMPD a employer of choice. All right, Charlie. Yeah. I mean, I, let me be clear first. Two of our opponents at at large, one has said that uh, he believes police should be disarmed, um, and another, as Kyle mentioned, did refer to all police as, as terrorists. So the first thing, which is nice and free, is that the city needs to um, clearly state uh, that CMPD um, is respected and valued in the city, and that's a symbolic gesture that is free. And I think what you end up bleeding to, once, once that's in place, those 50-50 situations that all of our law enforcement officers are often in when they're choosing to pursue a potential criminal or not, um, they become much more, you're starting to make decisions based off of law enforcement uh, protocols rather than political protocols. And I think that's crucial because I think right now in Charlotte, we've got, and if, if you live uptown, um, you can sense that we have a culture of lawlessness here in the city. It's all of the daily nuisance crimes. It's the people who are illegally living places that are not allowed to. Um, all of this just piles up and really reduces the quality of life, but CMPD doesn't have the confidence uh, to execute um, law enforcement like they should. And then secondly, uh, this isn't directly a city issue, but we've got a bail policy that releases criminals right back out on the street almost immediately as they are arrested, and that's demoralizing, too. Imagine having a job where you literally are arresting people, and then you might see that same individual back out on the street the same day. I've heard of, I've talked to yeah. cops who have 
arrested the same guy twice. So these are the types of things. It's not, we don't need law and order. We don't need, you know, a thousand jackboots on the ground. We just need to enforce the laws that we do have. And I think that's what pretty much everybody in the city wants. All right, uh, Charlie Mulligan, also Kyle Lupke, they're running as two of the four Republicans on the at-large slate. Charlotte City Council, the election is tomorrow. You have a chance to actually get Republicans on council for the first time in probably a decade at the, in the at-large spot. So good luck, guys. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Pete. Thanks so much. All right, take care. Whoa. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Thanks again to uh, Charlie Mulligan and Kyle Lubke. They are uh, two candidates, two of the four Republicans running at large. Oh, I forgot to mention to them. If they win, if either of them come in the, in the top four, if they're still listening, please use the word in your press conferences or in your media avails after you've won and you're very excited. I know things are going to be kind of crazy if you get one of the seats or three or four, well, all of them, whatever. I know it's going to be crazy. You're going to be excited. But please, for the love of me, try to work into one of your answers the word votainer. Oh, i kicking myself for not asking them. I'll send them a message. I will send them a message. Please. Use the word votainer instead of top vote getter or third top vote getter or whatever stupid language contortions that we have been working ourselves in with these with these at-large results. The word should be votainer. Right, he was the top votainer. He was among the top four votainers. The, you, you obtained or attained the most votes. It just works. You're the votainer. You're the top vote getter. It's But vote getter is a terrible term. Please. Man, that would be so great. I've been pitching some other people about it. I mean, I'm, for a couple of years, it's not working. But uh, like these things take time. I'm trying to look. I'm not I'm not part of uh, like the left wing academia uh, complex here. And so I can't just I can't just tell Miriam Webster to change her dictionary and uh, and then boom, all of a sudden my definition is in there. I can't do that. I'm not Joe Biden. I can't just say, well, you know, a recession doesn't mean two consecutive quarters of negative growth. No, no, no. It's we have a new definition as of today in advance of the GDP numbers that are coming out this week that are probably going to show we're in a recession. So we're redefining recession. I don't have that power. I'm just a little old talk radio host. I have no power. Please, let's get Votainer to happen. But if it doesn't happen, I'd be okay with everybody adopting the zipper merge instead. These are my terms. I I I asked Charlie and Kyle, what the heck is up with cats? Not the pets. The Charlotte area transit system. So did you know, and look, I, I've been away for a while, although I have been here for now a year. I'm celebrating, this is my one-year anniversary. I don't know if it's today, maybe tomorrow, maybe today. One year on the air back at WBT. It was like today or I think it was, or maybe tomorrow, the 26th, but whatever. Um, but before that, I know I had been away for a while, so I've, I've not kept up with this. 
But apparently Charlotte Area Transit System went out and hired some third-party management company, and then, yeah, then that allows them to hire union workers. And so, yeah, they're unionized. And what's more, they're collectively bargaining. Oh, and by the way, I said this a couple of uh, days ago, with all of the, quote, unexcused absences, which I think they get something like 40, 40, 40 unexcused absences. They're all calling in sick. And coincidentally, they're in contract negotiations. What do you think that is? Am I supposed to believe that those are completely separate issues? Please. Please. Don't whiz on my boots and tell me it's raining. Right? That's a work stoppage. That's a strike. That's a sick out. That is a union activity designed to pressure to get leverage, to get a better contract. That's what that is. And for added benefit, you're hurting poor people that ride the bus. Good job, guys. Good job. That is such a metaphor for today's unions in the public sector, I swear. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Stop the music. Stop the music. Samantha B is canceled. All right. Can, can you play? Yeah. All righty. No, oh, look, I got nothing against Samantha B. I know what you're thinking to yourself, right? You're thinking, who's Samantha B? She hosted a show where she just would stand up and and look right in the camera and scream. Democrat Party talking points, like literally the talking points, because I see them. I get the talking points in the um, uh, in the email inbox. I see them, and she would be up there just yelling them at me, which I thought was an odd way to treat your audience, just screaming at them as if they've done something wrong, and <laughs> just looking right at the camera, like you like she's. Like she has these ideas that she's dressing down Mitch McConnell or something. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That's a bad, bad imagery there. All right. What the heck is going on at Charlotte area transit system? So a couple of pieces here. First is written by an intern over at the Charlotte observer named Blake Douglas. Uh, he says in response to ongoing staff shortages, the Charlotte area transit system may cut some public bus routes. Don't worry, don't worry. Nobody's riding them now anyway, so it, it doesn't, it's not, it's not going to matter, <laughs> right? So there's nobody on the bus anyway. So, so if you cut a bus route where nobody is riding it, does anybody notice besides the driver? Maybe not, because then you just put them on a different route, although they're not showing up for work either. So if there's no driver and no riders, is there really a route? We are through the looking glass here, people. So an expired union contract between bus drivers and mechanics and the contractor that CATS pays has coincided. So you understand how this works? CATS, publicly funded, CATS takes some of that money and pays a management company to run it, to run the operations. Why? I thought this is what CATS was for. Why do we have you? 
What is it that you say you do here? Why am I paying you to hand off a bunch of money to them? And, oh, and that process of the handing off of the cash, that allows the private management company to enter into contracts with unions. And the unions get to collectively bargain for those contracts, which they are not allowed to do in North Carolina. Isn't that convenient? Yeah. So there's an an expired contract between the drivers and mechanics and the contractor that Katz pays has coincided with unprecedented worker absences and increased frustration from riders over buses that run late or not at all. This is what kills me, too. Nobody, Nobody seems to be able to piece this together. We have all of these drivers who are out sick all of a sudden. Hmm. It's very weird. Oh, and they're negotiating their own contract. Weird. No, oh, well, I guess that's all to see here. All right, just just keep going. Just keep walking right past. There's no connection between these two. Nobody can make these. I mean, I understand that you're not doing a lot of union coverage in North Carolina, us being a right-to-work state and all, but come on. Have you never, I don't know, seen a movie besides Harry Potter? Anyway, Katz's top leader, the top cat, you might say, says paying employees more should help with recruitment and retention of drivers, and he wants to see a loophole closed that gives workers excessive unplanned time off. But both of those things depend on union negotiations. Yeah, you don't say. The system, meanwhile, is contending with a years-long negative trend in ridership and complaints about transparency. In a memo to the Charlotte City Council members last week, uh, City Council or sorry, city manager Marcus Jones revealed that he has hired an outside management consulting firm to make recommendations on stabilizing cats. Uh, Again, what exactly do we have cats management for? So let me get this straight. You guys aren't actually involved in the hiring of the bus drivers and all of that. You got a management firm that you outsource that stuff to the mechanics as well. And you're going to try to figure out how to stabilize the system and you're going to get an outside consultant to come in and do that because the people that are running it don't know how to do that. Right? Do I have that clear? And you're still paying these people to run the system that they have destabilized and don't know how to restabilize. Okay, good. The company they're bringing in is called Management Partners. And it began its assessment last month. It's going to report its initial findings in sort of August, September timeframe. The uh, CATS CEO is a guy by the name of John Lewis. And uh, he has not wanted to talk to anybody, basically, in the media for a very long time. Doors open. If anybody listening works at CATS, uh, you know John and you want to have him come in. I'm happy to have him come in. And uh, look, I won't even know what's a softball question because I... I'm just learning about all of this now, so I would just be asking probably some really, really easy questions. So if you want to get him on a media program to kind of, uh, you know, fight back against this whole narrative that he's running scared and he's not wanting to talk to any media and he's not doing interviews, you have him come on this show. And I don't know what I'm talking about. There you go. Open door. Just let me know. Pete at the PeteCalendarShow.com. Call me. Okay. 
In a July 11th meeting, the City Council Transportation and Planning Committee, Lewis shared parts of Katz's proposed strategy. He also responded to uh, County Commissioner's question in a reply memo detailing previously announced plans. So what's happening is he's just, he's just tap dancing. Katz has identified routes with fewer passengers where it could potentially reduce bus frequency. And the altered schedule would let Katz provide more consistent service with about 50 fewer drivers needed. So they're cutting back on all of the routes. That's what's happening. Another part of the plan relies on third-party contractor R-A-T-P Dev. Ratpdiv is how they pronounce it, I believe. The company that employs Katz's bus operators and mechanics, Ratpdev, contract negotiations with Smart Union. That's the union for Katz bus drivers and mechanics. They've been ongoing for at least nine weeks. Smart Union. That's the name of the operation. Smart Union. So many jokes. Can't say them all at once. On average, about 80 drivers are absent every single day. Did you know that? 80 drivers every day since June 22nd. Hmm. What happened on June 22nd? Huh. Let me go back here to this thing. Uh, negotiations are ongoing. An expired contract. Tentative agreement expected soon. Hmm. Uh, probably not related. Um, an observer review of data reported through CATS social media. On weekdays, CATS needs 292 drivers. So 300 drivers and 80 are absent every day. 300 drivers and 80 are absent. So that's about one out of four by my math. I was told there'd be no math, but by my math, that's like one out of four. This, combined with unexcused absences and operators' weekly days off, it has left cats operating days short, somewhere 40 to 50 drivers. That leads to some buses not running. But there's another problem here. Yes, you got problems with the buses, you know, you know, buses and showing up, people being stranded, poor folks not being able to get to work. I mean, you know, really punishing those powerful people, the union is. But um, also, slight, slight bit of a problem. Um, over the last 10 years, bus ridership in Charlotte has plummeted, plummeted, even before the pandemic. We'll get into those stats in a minute. Just ca- I can confirm there. Nuts.com. This is where Christy and I, where we get our uh, our barrels of nuts. I, all right, it's not barrels. But they're like, they're like five-pound bags of shelled pistachios. I can't help myself. I love them so. Um, the, see, the danger, though, is that they're shelled. See, what keeps you... What keeps you not overindulging in the pistachios is the fact that you got to work to get them out of the shell. That's always the, it's like a lot of work, right? It's like if somebody just handed you like, like 10 pounds of like crab legs, just the meat, you don't have to do any work. You would eat all of it. But at some point with the crab legs, it just takes so long. And you just get tired. Your hands get tired. You're like, oh, I could probably still eat another like two or three pounds, but oh, I can't. My my uh, my wrist strength is gone. No, can confirm nuts.com. Fantastic. Anyway, um, and no, I'm not paid endorser for nuts.com, although I will be. Have your people call me. All right. So for the entire month of March, this is a piece by Steve Harrison, 
over at the uh, NPR station in town. For the uh, entire month of March, Route 290 in Davidson carried four people. That is not four per day. That is not four per week. That is four for the entire month of March. Four people rode a bus line in Davidson. Route 290 costs taxpayers about $5,000 a month. That does not include the indirect cost of carbon emissions from a 28-seat diesel bus that drives 54 hours a month. Of course, they got to throw in the environmental intersectionality. Okay. I mean, it is WFAE. So it represents a problem that has plagued cats for the last eight years, collapsing bus ridership. It's a problem made worse by the pandemic, but ridership was already plunging before then. How, how much do you think it has dropped since, well, I don't know why he pegs this number, 2014. Why 2014? I don't know. Eight years. How much? How much of a drop? He says 75%. A 75% drop in ridership in eight years. Of the nation's 50 largest transit systems, none of them lost a greater share of bus passengers than Charlotte area transit system. Detroit was second. They lost 71% of its bus passengers. But to be fair, like people are leaving Detroit. There's like nobody there anymore, right? Well, yes, except for those two guys that are like flipping all those houses for $40,000 on that TV show. But other than that, there's nobody left. Okay, well, then the people that are buying the houses, true. But other than that, there's nobody left in Detroit. Charlotte's growing. Although I did just see the Charlotte Ledger just had a big write-up. Uh, the only reason that our population has actually gained is because of births. We've actually lost people in Mecklenburg County. Yeah. wonder why. So, by the way, this uh, Detroit comparison here on our <laughs> loss of ridership, there was an old uh, blogger for the John Locke Foundation working out of Charlotte named Jeff Taylor, and uh, he used to call us Detroit on the Catawba. <laughs> That's what he used to refer to us as. With the crime and with uh, these uh, transit-related issues and such. Uh, More than a quarter of bus routes cost Charlotte area transit more than $20 per trip. So, So one out of every four buses, the cost to ride that bus is over $20. The true cost of a passenger trip is $20, bucks, which means what? It means giving you a credit card to Take an Uber is cheaper and you can go anywhere you want and you don't have to share the bus with anybody. I wonder why people are making this decision not to ride the bus. Could it be the, they don't want to be accosted by odors and, and, you know, violent people maybe. Could it be that they have more predictability and I don't know. uh, They have greater confidence that, when they plug their little account into the Lyft app, that they're going to get a car that actually shows up and takes them where they need to go directly. And they don't even have to do like the last mile thing where you got to where, how do I get there? And, you know, if I'm close to a bus line, not close to a bus line, they have a trunk. I can actually put my groceries in the trunk. Charlotte City Council members are unaware of how much the bus system has collapsed. Well, that's always good to hear. 
Well, maybe the council could ask its cat CEO, and then the cat CEO could ask the management company. And then the management company could tell the cat CEO and all of the bureaucrats running cats, and then the cats bureaucrats, then they could get back to the city council. Does that work? Is that, is that okay? Seems highly efficient. I mean, not effective, but it seems highly efficient. Absolutely. Great trans, uh, uh, communications uh, system. Graham, Malcolm Graham, said he supports the city's plan to increase the sales tax by a penny. Yeah, because I think they've earned it. Um, it would include money to build a new light rail line and also money for a massive expansion of the city's bus system, which is operating so well right now. Katz has said it needs $35 million additionally in new operating dollars to fully modernize the bus system. See, that's the problem. It's not fully modernized. Duh. If it was fully modernized, then we would have even more people choosing to ride the bus to be accosted by scents and fists. Graham asked, quote, where did all the people go? Oh, maybe the management consultant that has been brought in by the city manager to figure out how to stabilize the CAT system being run by city employees who then subcontracted the work out to the other management company. Maybe one of you guys could figure that out. Let us know. Where did all the people go? Council member Julie Eisolt said, I believe in bus systems. I do if it's done right, but we don't know what's being done wrong. Uh, I think there's a long list of things that you all don't know, actually, at this point. Um, the ridership collapse started years before the driver shortage. Experts pointed to factors such as the rise of companies like Uber and uh, they say the addition of the rail lines likely caused some bus passengers to switch to rail. But overall, transit ridership has declined 65%. So wait a minute. So you're saying, oh, the bus riders, they went over to rail. But total transit service is down 65 Ridership is down 65%. So they didn't all just go to rail. They're like, oh, we're going to put out a survey. We're going to ask the riders. You're going to ask the riders why they're not riding anymore? Does that really make sense? Maybe I could be a consultant for cats. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.